We want to celebrate, so I want you to turn to Second uh, Chronicles. Preached on this several years ago uh, when we were in a crisis as elders were praying and claiming verse 12 of chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. And uh, how many of you uh, read the Old Testament? Okay, very, very good. Let me read you a verse from Romans uh, 15 before we go and look at uh, the narrative in Chronicles. But look at Romans chapter 15. Uh, I know a lot of people, they don't, and let me say, if you're a new believer, I don't recommend starting with Genesis and reading straight through. Leviticus is a little tough. And, and and, and Chronicles does not do a thing for me until I get past all the genealogies. Amen. I want the narrative, but I don't care how many sons Levi had. I'm sorry. It just doesn't help me get through the trial. Obadiah, I mean Obadiah, it doesn't comfort me. Uh, I want narrative. I want to get the narrative. And so I, I go through Chronicles. I go through the first ten chapters in less than two minutes because I'm picking up narrative. I want to get the story, the story of redemption. But listen to what Romans says in chapter 15. Uh, we'll pick up, um, let's just pick up verse 3. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And quoting the Old Testament, and taking it right out of Psalms 69, for everything that was written in the past was written, notice, to teach us that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The Old Testament was written to teach you, uh, encourage you, and tell you to endure, remain under test, don't abandon, don't bail out, remain faithful under pressure. Now we come to Second, uh, Second uh, Chronicles, chapter 20, a marvelous story of Jehoshaphat. And all of a sudden, uh, Jehoshaphat was a man of God. He made a mistake by going to battle with Ahab, and later he went to battle with another king of Israel, and uh, God was displeased with that. Uh, don't make those alliances. But he loved God. He's the king of Judah, the two tribes. They're in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, the Ammonites and the Moabites, who were the incestuous children of Lot. Lot, after he fled out of Sodom, his daughters got him drunk. They had sex. And two uh, children were born, one Moab, the other Ammon. They became ancient enemies of Israel. Even when Israel wanted to get food and water when they were on the Exodus march, they asked them, we'll pay you for the food, we'll pay you for the water. And these tribes, they said, no way, we hate you. We're not for you. So they attacked. And they come upon them. They have a vast army. Little Judah uh, doesn't have a chance. They're outnumbered. Uh, the odds are against them, and Jehoshaphat knows it immediately. And he says to them, hey, we're outnumbered. Uh, verse 3, 
alarmed, Jehoshaphat says to the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast. We need the help of God or these people are going to eliminate us. A vast army is coming against you from Edom. And who is Edom? Edom, the book of Obadiah was written to rebuke Edom. Edom is Esau, another antagonistic kinsman of Israel. And where did Esau come from? Ishmael, family rivalry, pain, distraught. But they've got an army. We're going to eliminate Judah. We're going to wipe them off the map. We've got a vast army. We've got the goods. We've got the army. And so all of a sudden, the human leader, the king, he said, wow, we're over our neck in trouble. I don't know how to get us out. What, what should I do? Look at the personal response of this leader. Because, you know, the way we think of leaders, you're supposed to get us out of the mess. Right? So today, as Trump meets with North Korea, we expect a resolution, don't we? But the resolutions are no better than the men that make them. And so here's Jehoshaphat. And this is how he responds. He inquired of the Lord, verse 3. He tells Judah, we need to seek help from the Lord. And they often did not do this. As we see in the case of Hezekiah, they would buy protection. They would make alliances with Egypt. Isaiah keeps telling Judah, why are you running to Egypt for help? Egypt can't deliver you. Don't rely on other nations. Rely on me. And this is exactly what he does. We sought help from the Lord. They came from every town in Judah to seek him. What a marvelous, marvelous response to a problem you can't handle. Let me ask you what you do about your problems you can't handle. Where do you run? And whether you know it or not, we are outnumbered. Did you know what? I've got demonic forces opposing this church and opposing my marriage, opposing the salvation of my grandchildren, opposing your family. There is demonic forces at work in this world. The devil's having a heyday. I cannot tell you how many people hate what we're doing. They hate our gospel. They hate our Christ. They hate our worldview. They hate the fact that we're creationists. They hate the fact that we believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There's not a thing we can do in this church to be politically correct. Because we actually are out to resolve the gospel starvation of the Bay Area. The Bay Area is starving for the gospel. Star they don't know it. They don't know it. They're filling their lives with sex, drugs, liberalism, and hate for Christ. If we got rid of religion, we'd get rid of our problems. Because all religion does is make you fight. No, 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 no. Christ came that you might have peace, but he said, I also came to bring a sword. I will divide mother from children and children because the loyalty to Christ is to be above every loyalty. So they inquire of the Lord. And what happens? Listen to his response. He stands up to pray. 
This is the way and the categories we ought to pray for. Listen to what he says. So he gets before the people of Judah and Jerusalem, and he starts praying. Uh, You don't like this uh, at all. You're going to think it's super spiritual. But the measure of your maturity is your ability to pray. Really, just think of that. The measure of your uh, maturity is when you ask people to pray, if you just hold off, be quiet, don't just listen to them, you'll find out their depth. For instance, I'll hear people say, Lord, 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 we thank you, Lord, and Lord, we thank you, Lord. I said, "Mm, they don't get it. He doesn't want to be called Lord. He said, call me Father. Well, what's the difference? The difference is, he said, say, our Father. How many people can call me Father in this world? A lot of them when they want money, but I mean legitimately. I got three. I got three. Only three people can call me legitimately their father. How many people can call God Father? All of his children. You're in, you get refrigerator rights with God when you get saved. That means you get access his resources anytime. And I tell you, my kids know that. My grandchildren especially. I asked Carolyn, where's that ice cream? Well, the grandchildren came by. Well, you tell those little brats, they got to replenish the ice cream. <laughs> replenish the food. No, no, they're grandchildren. It's not my fault. You had them. Well, confessing family sins here and attitudes. But, but look, God says, Call me Father. Pray to me. Now listen to this man pray. Lord, the God of our ancestors. They didn't get to call him Father in the Old Testament, by the way. That moved up in the New Testament. They called him Jehovah. And this word here, Lord, by the way, was the unique name given to Moses in Exodus 3. It was the name for Israel, the Yahweh covenant-keeping God. Not just Elohim, any God, but the covenant-keeping God that keeps covenant with Abraham. We're talking to you, the God of our ancestors. Are you not the God who is in heaven? Don't you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might don't belong to Edom. They don't belong to Moab. It doesn't belong to the devil. It doesn't belong to those who've got my kids who are fighting for my marriage. All power belongs to you. No one can withstand you. He believed in a sovereign God that was in charge. And once you don't, if you ever lose that kind of God, it's over. There's no hope. Did you know our God is in charge of every nation? Did you know God determined how many days Putin's going to get to live? He's already got Trump's death day figured out. And he's got yours figured out. Let's don't go too heavy on them because we're included. God's got everything figured out. He's even numbered the hair on your head. He knew you'd go bald. (laughs) He knew what hair you'd have. 
There's nothing about you. He said, I know when every sparrow falls to the ground. No, no, you can't know that much. I know every. Our God is not impotent. He's omnipotent. He has all power, all wisdom, all strength. He is the sovereign God that he says, hey, uh, this, this invasion won't go any further than I allow. He ran north. He didn't run down to Egypt. Because Isaiah 30 said, you've made an alliance with death. You're depending on Egypt, which is that broken reed that will pierce your hand, and you're trusting in the chariots and horses. Egypt was famous for horses. He said, I don't deliver by horses or chariots. I deliver by my own strength. He goes on and he prays. Uh, uh, Our God did not drive out the inhabitants of this land. Did you not drive them out? And didn't you give this land to Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear and save us. This is exactly what Solomon prayed. We built you a temple. And in this temple, we celebrate your presence. What we need, Lord, they're coming to kill us in Judah, destroy our temple where we hang out and worship you. Did you not give us this land through Abraham? Did we not under Solomon build you a place where we don't have to be ashamed among all the heathen nations to say our God lives in a majestic temple? And we come into his presence. I'm counting on you, sovereign God. I want your presence. Let me ask you this. Why did we build these buildings? To adore them and worship them? Or a place to meet where we could preach, enjoy his presence, enjoy adoring him? We come together together as the living temple that we may worship him. I don't care if it's a warehouse. I don't care if it's a tent. Thank God he gave us more than a tent. Let's worship him in this place. Let's celebrate his presence. Let's celebrate his goodness. We're not in love with buildings. We're going to leave them behind. I won't miss it a bit. And I won't miss my house. My treasures are somewhere beyond the blue. I'm just traveling through. Just traveling through. Well, uh, then he goes on to say, you spared these people when we went through their land, and now they're repaying us. Then he says in verse 12, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. Is it ever right for leadership to say we don't have the wisdom or the power to know the next step? I can't hear you. Do you ever pray that we would make the right decision or just critical, critical of the decisions we made? Hey, we're mere men. Church leadership, you know the scariest thing about it? They're just sinners like you. Some of you can't plan a vacation without a family feud. (laughs) And then we're supposed to plan a menu and a direction for a 1,000 people. we got all kinds of people claim us, only so many show up. But to say 
everybody will like the decision. Everybody will like the direction. Everybody will. It's a challenge. It's a, we need wisdom from above. We need humility to admit we don't know everything. The humility to admit we don't have the strength to defeat the enemy. We're totally dependent just like you. It's a death. That's why I see the more accomplished that some men are, they can't stand church work because it's not like running a company, honey. We're fighting greater forces than you ever fought in your company. We're fighting the devil for our families, for our children, for our marriages, for the Bible to be preached, for men not to steal the money, for them not to mess around. Oh, I, I just moved by the challenges we have constantly to stand and represent Christ as he deserves. It is a challenge. Pray for us. Pray for us. Our help must come from the Lord. I've got grandchildren that I've been praying for. I expect they should have been saved by now. I want them saved. I want them saved. I don't want to play church. I'm not running a little franchise for Jesus. I want to see Jesus saved. I'm going to see lives change. I'm not about running a corporation. That all came with the gospel. All these buildings, all you precious people, all this money, it came when somebody just preached the word and God brought you. God brought you, and we thank God he did. Some been with us 40-some-odd years. They know when we offered them nothing but the Bible and Christ, nothing else. So he prays, and how does God respond? The Spirit of the Lord moved upon a prophet, and the prophet brought a word to the king and the people, and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, verse 15, and all that live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Are you there? You might not. Listen to this. What would you do if God said this to you? Do not be afraid. Well, he must not have lived in 2018. Everybody's afraid. What's going to happen? What school's going to be shot up next? Are we going to go to war with some crazy dictator? Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Why not? What you call Jehoshaphat, why don't you make a peace deal right now? You don't have a chance. And the word of the Lord says, you prayed, you've asked for help, now I've got a word to you. And you know what? Throughout the Bible, he tells Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, be strong. I was just telling the leaders, and I was talking with my wife, all over the Bible, he tells leaders, be strong, be of good courage, I am with you. And I said, I'm baffled by that because sometimes in the midst of discouragement and dealing with my fears, I'm saying, God, you told me to be strong. What do I do? I'm strong. Oh, I just spoke myself into strong. How do you do that? I'm strong. What you, you said be strong. Wait, what is it? Maybe it's the Word of God with the Spirit of God. It says, I want to infuse my strength in you. 
if you'll quit being conquered by your fears. If you will make your fears subordinate to your God. I feel incompetent. I feel weakness. I feel lack of strength in the Christian life. Every aspect of it. And he said, if you'd look to me and you, if you'd count on my strength, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you in verse 12. He said, I will pour into you strength, courage, and power. And if you want an example, come on. How many of you would start a church with 11 bumbling, fumbling, failing disciples? We talk about transition plans here, and we were praying with some elders yesterday. I thought, Jesus' transition plan was, I'm going to leave my church to 11 men that have denied me, run out on me, and failed, but I'm going to take them to an upper room, and I'm going to give them some fresh power they've never experienced, and it will overcome their fears, overcome their cowardice. Did he not do it? You've never read the book of Acts. If you can't amen that, read the book of Acts and see what he did with a bunch of cowards that God empowered. And he says, the word of the Lord came to Joe. Don't be afraid. But I'm waiting for him to say, and go out and buy some swords. You know, I don't mind trusting God, but come on. What's wrong with packing if they're threatening you? A lot of us like to help God eliminate the enemy. Listen to what he says. For the battle is not yours. Wait, wait, wait. For the battle, well, what, God, they're right out there in the backyard. He said, the battle is not yours. I've taken on this battle. You ask for my help? Well, I'm going to take it over. And i got different war tactics. Now watch this. Watch this. They, he said, tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeril. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. It will the Lord take on the battles in your life. You know what's amazing to me about this verse? I've never seen it before. He said, the battle is mine. I want you to do one thing. I want you to get in the right position. Right position. What's that got to do with He said, I want you out there standing, kneeling. Just get in the position. Act like soldiers, even though you know the Lord's got to do the fighting. And I ask myself, are you in the right position? Am I in the right position? What position are you in? I found out being on my knees is one of the best positions. I get more fighting done on my knees than I do any other way. I know another position, Ephesians 6 says, have you done all to stand? Stand. Just, just stand. Say, you act like you're a soldier. I'm just in my position. Wait, you, you don't have a chance. I know, but my captain said, be on guard. Stand. Stand. 
And you know what? A lot of folks have left their position. They've left church. They've left God. They're mad about something. God can't win any battles through you until you get in the right position. You remember what he said to Nehemiah? Nehemiah, the wall is broken, and we need to rebuild the wall, the city that was devoted to God. Guess what he did in Nehemiah 3? He said, I'll tell you, we'll do it this way. I want every household to rebuild the wall next to their house. Nehemiah 3. Let me ask you, first of all, are you in the right position in your home? Who's running your house? Tech, phone, TV, absentee father, a dad married to a job, has no time to train another generation. Kids are messy. Who wants to train them? Until they become hoodlums and it's too late. They've already chosen their path. Oh, you got to get them in all the athletic sports. Get them all there. See if they learn anything about God playing baseball. And I watch the game. I even wore my warrior shirt, so don't talk to me about loyalty. I salute them. But they can't save my grandchildren. I said they can't save my grandchildren. Any family altar, any prayer, anybody teaching them how to give? Ron showed me the audit here the other day of a couple in this church. Show me what their kids give to this church. Amen. Show me what the kids, one, one was 16, one was a little bit older, said, look at that. They give more regular than 150 of our members. What is it? I said, they've been taught in the home. Amen. The youth group can't have any more influence than a dad and a mom. Are you in the right position for God to win the battle? If you'll get in the right position, if you'll take a stand for Jesus Christ, and if you'll be a praying mother, a praying dad, a Bible-believing couple, let me tell you, the Lord will win the battle. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. I want to do that movie. I want to go to the war room. The battle is won in the war room or it's lost. God has not died. He hasn't quit being sovereign. He's looking for us to get in the right position. Is your heart right with God? Are, are you holding a grudge? Are you grieving? You know what? Today I was praying and something overcome me. I said, Lord, I don't want to do anything to grieve your spirit. I don't want to do anything to quench the spirit. Is there any attitude I've got this morning? Is there any uh, one I've sinned against that I haven't sought forgiveness? Is there any, uh, anything there, Lord? I don't want to quench you. And it just came to me. Is it not amazing that you could quench the hand of omnipotence and render it powerless? I could shut down omnipotence in my life just by quenching him. And that quenching literally meant to throw water on the fire, put it out, and pretty soon there's nothing but smoldering embers. And God said, please don't quench me. Please. Second Chronicles 16, 9, Asa, I want to deliver you. I've delivered you before. 
because my eyes run to and fro throughout the earth that I may show myself mighty on behalf of him whose heart is right toward me. If your heart's right and you're in the right position, you're going to unleash the power of omnipotence in your situation. He'll win the battle. He'll set free because he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He has not lost his power. He has not lost his power. Well, uh, it goes on. Let me summarize here. God routes the enemy. They are destroyed. And he tells them in the morning, go out, take your positions, have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. His word. God told them, by the way, Jehoshaphat, pick a bunch of men to start singing. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, 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 look at this, verse 21. Are you there? You're there. 2021. 20, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. They weren't playing the B.B. King album here. They're getting somebody that, that can sing the song of the redeemed. I want you to uh, sing about God's holiness. And they went ahead of the army. Now, this tactic, they do not teach at West Point. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. That's simple enough, of course. Can you sing that, men? Mm, you know, you get your own tune, would you? Give thanks to the Lord. So many of these new songs coming, I can't remember the name of it, let alone the song. That's why I heard this morning somebody was singing, I must tell Jesus. And I was melted because I, I know it. I don't need, I don't need anyone waving hands at me. I don't, have any no, I don't need the overhead. I, I must tell Jesus. Only he alone can bear my burdens. Uh, start singing to the Lord. Don't sing the blues. Sing to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to give thanks to you. Imagine you're going out in front of an army that's getting ready to slaughter. I'd like to give you thanks, Lord. I'm walking to my slaughter if you don't keep your word. But I, I'm trusting your word. I'm walking to my death unless you keep promises. I'm walking to my death unless you lied to me. I'm walking to my death unless you come through. I can sing now. We haven't won yet. We haven't won anything, but I'm going to sing in the meantime. For his love endures forever. Now watch. Now watch this. And as the men begin to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against them and routed the enemy. Wouldn't it be a revival if all the men learned how to sing? And if the men started singing to the Lord, and we just started saying, leading this whole church, the men first start out, you know the sisters will follow us. You, you know, men, I often used to say, it's hard for your wife to follow a parked truck. You need to be going somewhere. Where are you going? Where are you going? We're always telling them, you need to be submissive, honey. You need to follow. Where are you going? 
I, I'm bumping up against you. You're not going anywhere. If you'd go somewhere, I'd follow you. Where are you going? Can you sing the praises of the Lord? It, uh, it, is the griping in your home coming from you, or is the song coming from you? You know, it's kind of nice with Carol and I growing up from our youth together. We could sing to each other in the morning when we're combing the hair and doing miracle cosmetic work. Uh, <laughs> while we're in there, we could sing the songs we grew up with. Some days I just start singing, Oh, say, but I'm glad, I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Jesus has come and my cup's overrun. Oh, say, but I'm glad. How many of you ever sang that song? See, this is the elect right here. This is the elect right there, right there. Hey, and, but then she could join with, we know that song together. We talk about living by faith. I heard living by faith when I was 10 years old from a daddy climbing the iron all day. He sang it to me. I heard it. Whatever your song is, you ought to learn one song you can sing to God. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through great trials, but all through the blood. Jesus leads his dear children along. I'm standing on Jordan's stormy bank, and I'm casting a wistful eye beyond Jordan to Canaan to where my treasures lie. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm going somewhere. I'm singing. I know the devil's all around the place. I know the armies of the devil are out to kill me, this church, you. But let me tell you, I'm going to sing like Paul and Silas at the midnight hour. I'm going to sing because the battle is the Lord. The battle is the Lord. You ambush them. You ambush them. And so we're here to celebrate. This wasn't an easy campaign to do. Uh, a lot of folks weren't in the mood to give. They said, I've given enough, and thank God for you. Just keep praying, keep giving, do whatever you can before the Lord. You know what? God's bigger than money. He's bigger than budgets. He's bigger than the enemy. He's bigger than the Bay Area. He's bigger. He's better. I want more of him. I want more of him. So we've come to celebrate this God. I feel like if I could go another two hours, I could catch fire. But uh, there's something about this God that I want to talk about. But I thought it would be nice if we would sing a song. I'll tell you the song I may have told you a few weeks ago. Robert Dick Wilson, when students came to Princeton, he they would do student sermons or student testimonies, and he kept a list. Tell me which one you're on. And on his list, he simply had one side that said, a big godder. Bat, no such word, G-O-D-D-E-R. He's a big godder. Or he put it over here, he's a little godder. His God not big enough to cast a demon out of a peanut. But if you've got a big God... He can hang stars. He can hang planets. He can run the universe. Let me tell you, Darwin isn't running the universe. Our universities aren't running the universe. Our God, our God alone. We're going to sing a song as we stand. How great is our God. How great is his name. Let's sing it like we believe it's true. Let's sing it. 
to the Lord.